Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. How you doing, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ready to Record from Blue Girl Studios, proudly sponsored by VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and Simcor Productions. My name is Daniel, the D3 Cohen. I'm your host, and I'm speaking to you from Blue Girl Productions Worldwide Headquarters and Studios here in my garage. I'm a 20-year-old aspiring musician, engineer, and producer, and like many of you guys, I make music out of my own home studio. You know, some of today's biggest hitmakers work from home studios, so maybe we can help one of you accomplish your big dreams. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to talk about our sponsor, VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and Semcore Productions. VFX Unleashed is a complete accredited online VFX school where you can learn how to have a career in the visual effects industry in classes taught by industry professionals. There are programs in all major aspects of VFX production and software, including Photoshop, After Effects, Maya, Nuke, Cinema 4D, and many more. Online, fully remote classes start every eight weeks, and a full VFX studio within Amarillo College's Innovation Outpost will open next year, which will have a state-of-the-art soundstage and motion capture studio. You can check out all that VFX Unleashed has to offer and enroll today at vfxunleashed.com. Thank you to VFX Unleashed and Semcore for being our very first sponsor. We are proud to have you. Now, let's get into the show. Today, we are continuing my conversation with Genesee Lewis, so let's get into it. Where where do you stand on your production? Like, uh, obviously, your engineering is is going, like, dropping a, a two-mix into your Pro Tools session, and you have your template set up for yourself. But, like, mm-hmm. when you're producing, where, where do you go first? Obviously, like... You come from the era that that still sampled primarily as the medium of of making a beat fully um, yes mm-hmm. so so where where is your head? Do you start with samples do you and 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 here's 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 really the question for you. Do you start with samples as in individual drum samples like a pack? Do you start with samples off of a record? Do you start with synthesizers? do you start playing shit like how how do you Man, I always, I almost always start with my MP and I start with some old records and I go through them and I chop them up. And then once I get my tempo, you know, nice and I get my drums laid down nice, then I'll import, import my drums individually into Pro Tools and import my samples usually on one track, unless it's maybe a hook part or something that I need on a different track, but I usually mm-hmm. have it all on one stereo track. And then, so boom, I got my foundation there. Then what do I need next? I need some bass, I need some low end. So I'll just, you know, I'll load up contact, I'll try to find a good bass line on Trillion or, you know, somewhere I'll even, um, 
Arcade. Are you familiar with Arcade? I am. Don't yes. use it, but I've, I've been thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I highly suggest it. It's amazing. Go for it. So, yeah, I get some bass sounds on Arcade. And then usually while I'm in there, Arcade, I'll, I'll play a couple of little sounds for the chorus. Couple sounds for the intro. Play a couple sounds for the um, for the uh, you know, for the pre-hook or something. Just for a little switch during the verse, mm-hmm. and then I'll do a bunch of drum drum programming and solos and breakdowns and stutter edits and verifies and you know, really shape shape my beat. So when you play my beat, you know. <laughs> where the intro's at, where the outro's at. Like, it's very obvious when the hook comes in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I always... Hi, you. Hi, honey. I'm still working. Almost done, okay? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so that's that's my basic process, you know, but the process changes sometimes. Like, you know, if I'm working on something for a, a more musical group or, you know, like for alphabet rockers or something like that. Like I might, right. I might want to incorporate some live musicians, you know, that's, to, that was something I was going to ask how, how, what, what is collaborating with musicians look like for you? Oh man. So back in my heyday, like during the Heifley movement, you know, when I was producing for, for Mac Dre and Fabby and too short and, 40 and all the Bay Area players, mm-hmm. like that was my whole thing. I had musicians on my team and, you know, we would have live bass, guitar, not so much drums, because I always handle the drums on the MP, but, you know, we'd always have some some keys and guitar licks and, and strum in, strums and some diamonds thrown in there, you know, and... uh yeah, so musicians have always been a huge part. And then, you know, when I went down on my L.A. excursion for five years, you know, we sit there and create songs every single day from absolutely nothing. Right. We're just sitting next to my guitar player, you know, or next to a piano player. And we sit there and work out our melodies from scratch and build mm-hmm. like that. So live musicians is always a huge part of my creation process. I grew up in a household with a, you know, a touring drummer. So I was always, um, you know, my step pops always had the kid in the house. So I started playing that at a young age. And um, yeah, grandma taught me, taught me the little basics on the piano, which really helped me during my uh, hip hop production. Well, yeah, everything, everything now, I mean, yes, pad based controllers like the MPC was the, was the, er one of the earliest. Um, mm-hmm. If not the at least the earliest, what the earliest most popular one. Yeah. Um. And then you know, uh, uh, uh not tractor. Um. Uh, the push, obviously, and then Ableton, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also. Uh, the machine. Mm-hmm. All those ones, but like, yeah. Every every one of those things like even akai who who's famed for the mpc makes the mpk the the keyboards with with the pads on them still yep i had that but they they had the keyboards i returned it real fast (laughs) oh god (laughs) i i hope i i hope not too terrible of a defect (laughs) no i just wasn't feeling it i'm like this is no 
So all I need is a is a key station, you know, like all I need yeah. is a MIDI MIDI keyboard because I'm running, you know, I don't need I don't need a Roland or anything like with all the sounds, a Korg or anything, which I love to have in the studio. They're great for some, you know, workstations. Workstations were the thing forever, but mm. now there's so many. There's all I have to think about is like one of one of my buddies. Do you know the name Jordan Feinstein? He's everywhere. Not offhand, no. Keyboard player. He played. Um, you remember Rafael Bustamante Sadia? Uh he he. Yes. Uh, yes. Definitely. Yeah, la gente. Uh huh. Um, Jordan plays with or play played plays when when Rafa's in town. He plays with Rafa. Um, and he's a keyboard player, and he has he's got you know some of the, he's got one of the craziest keyboard rigs you'll ever fucking see for a live nice musician. Like two keyboards, uh, one of them's usually always a Nord nowadays, mm-hmm. but he's got the second one controlling like a B3 clone wheel MIDI controlled thing. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, and then he's got like another rig, which is like his fly rig, which is a, like a MacBook with a, with, with main stage on. But like his, his main rig here now is, you know, super, it's like, I don't want to call it convoluted because it's, because like, it's, it's really, it really isn't. It's very methodical. Like from the outside, it looks convoluted because it's a whole shit ton of cables and it's like, like, if you don't know what the hell you're looking at, but like, right. it's very methodical. And, and like, if you're technical and understand it, it's rather beautiful. But yeah, I, it's he, like the great, the grateful dead, the wall of yep. sound. Yep. Yeah. It was funny because he was like, you know, if you're if you're going to go gig and, and you want something super powerful, get a laptop and a MIDI controller and get the Keyscape plug. And this is a dude with like this methodical two keyboard, like three different MIDI source rig. Right. And, and you're looking at him going, you do all of that. And you tell every keyboard player friend of yours to go get a laptop with a plug-in and a controller. That is fun. (laughs) Um, but it's understandable, and it's why you don't need workstations anymore. Yeah, it's I true. love I love my Nord. I have to admit, it's far more easy than for me personally, as like a smaller guy going in and out of gigs. It's far easier to have a Nord with its internal sounds than a laptop. Dude, but, dude, I used to, when they was to you know pay pay me to go make beats in the studio in the big studio like way back in the day. So like, <laughs> I would literally bring my racks, like bring my Planet Fat. And my t- oh, my TR dude, dude, I would bring all the all the old. Did you, school. Did you have like the sixteen U shock mount rack and roll it into the studio? <laughs> Not even, bro. I had to rack the. I had it underneath my arm. Oh, with the like, MIDI keyboard underneath my other arm, and then I had to make another trip to the car to get the MPC. And oh my god. At that point, they should have just paid you enough money for you to build a studio for them to go to. Fuck. Right? Exactly. Well, that's why, you know, I mean, that was before we were making all our beats, you know, at home and then bring them to the studio after tracked out or whatever. Onto, we used to have to track them out onto like a DVR back in the days because the CDs weren't big enough to hold the files. Right. 
It was like dual A DVD or nothing. Yeah. Crazy. Lord knows you, you couldn't you couldn't rely on external hard drives. Oh no, yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I look at I mean I, I had a G four like yours. I, I actually mm. had every iteration of the G four. I had the graphite, I had the MDD, and I had the uh the Quicksilver. Dude, mine uh, just died. I I <laughs> I ran years my almost, bro. <laughs> I ran, I ran every single one of mine except for the MDD. Except for the MDD, I ran every one of them into the ground. The only reason I don't have the MDD anymore is that I donated it. Yeah, because um, I didn't need it anymore. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, Bazooka Joe Gotti has my original G4, and it just died. He's been <laughs> he's been working on it for the last twenty years. Crazy. That is hilarious. Right. Why Still got had... Pro Tools 7.4, bro, that I installed on there. <laughs> Why he hadn't swapped a hard drive to a G5, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where were we? We were uh, we were on the topic of producing and live, uh, live music and, and live instrumentation. Yeah. Yeah, live musicians is something that's always been incorporated in my productions. And um, it's harder now, like, I don't really have the access. Like, it used to be we all be sitting in one room, and now everything's virtual. And, you know, it's not as easy to get a guitar player to lay down the parts you want when you're not sitting right there with them. And just, you know, it's just a personal thing, like, yo, vibing together with the with the musician. You know, that's one thing that I'm definitely not feeling about the the virtual sessions and everything mm -hmm. i feel I like, that yeah i like being able you know be able to able to share some energy together i think that's when we really come with with some great stuff yeah yeah we i mean yeah it's it's well you you actually brought up a very excellent point when you were talking about writing r&b and pop songs is that like being a producer in kind of the hip-hop sense is like being a songwriter more or less so so like well yes it is producing it is very much songwriting still so like being being the songwriter and this is your baby of a song like of course it's you you want you want to be there in the moment with the people that are that are working on it with you mm -hmm. um yeah that's, that's... Yeah, a lot. A lot of times, what I would always have my musicians do is because you know I come from that hip hop background. Is I would just give them a few passes and be like, you know what? Why don't you just play, just vibe out and play? You know, do the whole thing, mm -hmm. do the whole do the whole four minute song. Let's do that three times and try a bunch of different stuff. You know, sure. Other times I'd have, you know, completely specific bass lines in my head or guitar riffs in which we lay those down as well, you know, but I used to love, and then it's just treating it, then it's just treating it like another sample. Once you have that, that four minute track down, you find little parts, you're like, okay, that works on, on the first bar, that works on the second bar. And, you know, you paste up your own little eight bar loop. Right. Consolidate it. And, you know, you got a whole a whole different vibe, you know, something that he didn't play, but you actually chopped up from, from the tones. Yeah. 
Now, on the topic of playing, you you talked about having a little bit of piano and a little bit of drums in in your mm-hmm. in your background, mm-hmm. and we talked about obviously having a, a keyboard controller. How how much work do you do with keyboard controllers and and like playing things into the computers? You mostly program? Do you mostly play? Do you do a bit of both? Like, oh, every I mean every on, everything I've ever ever produced. Not everything, but I mean nowadays for sure. Anything that you know. I'm touching some keys on everything for sure. Like there's always, I'm always going to be playing stuff on a keyboard on all my beats. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. That's like a guarantee, especially, you know, got to play the bass line off top and then all my accompanying instances for chorus and et cetera. Like I always play them myself. Right. And that's a cool Cool thing about just really quick. That's the cool thing about arcade now is arcade. Yeah. So arcade, arcade is this incredible plugin, dude. Where it's like it has these samples chopped up, and there, if if you know the key of your song, you just input the what key it's in, and then every sample you touch on that keyboard is going to be in that key, and a lot of them will work with you with your track, you know. Mm-hmm. But now, what they just released, they released Arcade Two Point that has the individual notes. So you, now you can play them. Not, before not, you couldn't before you couldn't play you couldn't play in a traditional scale like you could that, only that seems eat. very limiting yes it's very limiting but wait till you hear it it's like it's it's cheating it's a cheat code bro. <laughs> it's it's straight Fair cheating. Enough. yeah it's cheating man it, it it is what it is but now they give you a little bit more creative freedom where you can actually play the notes on a lot of the instruments which i'm super excited about because i would like hear some of these sounds and i'd be like bro i wish i could just play this like why are they keeping me stuck in this little you know little loop that they have you know mm-hmm. when i wanted to go you know so it's like now i got the freedom so i'm real pumped up about that right now here's another question for you is it is all of your shit in the box these days, like instrumentation, everything. Do you have any like analog gear left, synths, things like that? Honestly, it's in the basement. All my outboard gear is not even hooked up at this point. Yep, everything's everything's in the box. And then occasionally, like if I do need some live instrumentation, I'll I'll send it to my guys down in LA and have them send me some some you know rock guitar licks or whatever i'm looking for acoustic or some some roads or some piano keys or whatever well if you need roads you can always use mine my man (laughs) my man we definitely gonna collab off top it's coming well hey man you you, i i sent you the picture of the rack i got the the 70 i got the 76 uh i got 76 roads i got the 61 hammond nice and the uh, 86 Roland Alpha Juno, the Arturia Micro Brute. If you ever get back into analog synthesis and you want to get into really cool modern synthesizers that do yeah. a lot, yeah. the Arturia gear is phenomenal. Okay, and it's affordable. Yeah. I played with that at NAMM. Yep, yep, definitely. Because it's like, you can do so much with these. They're one oscillator and they're, they're a monosynth, but you can do so much these fucking things nice I, I i am so impressed and so grateful that this company a exists and nice. released 
release this thing. Uh, uh, again, I'll uh, of sending tracks to you, but I'll I'll send you I'll send you the thing that I've been working on this weekend. Um, dope with the homie and and dope. Um, actually, uh, I did. Um, initially it was all just synth bass. I I I just added a bass guitar, and what I did was I uh. I quantized it so that it all lined up with the synth bass. So it's just another aspect of the synth bass. But we did all the synth bass with the Arturia synth. Sick. And it sounds phenomenal. Nice. So there, there's like, there's, there's merit for me personally with, with the whole, you know. No, I having, love it. Having the external stuff. Nah, totally. Nah, that's amazing. It's definitely a, an art that shouldn't be forgotten. But on the flip side, I do kind of use it like a plug-in because I just run MIDI into it most of the time. Yeah, I mean, that's what I realized. I'm like, wow, this is just another one of my thousand plugins all of a sudden now. <laughs> but you know what? Here's what I'll say. Because like, like I said, I, show, I, I sent you the picture of my rack. And on the bottom, there's three uh, effects processors. And one of them is just a straight reverb and delay processor. Mm-hmm. And there's probably, I don't know, there's probably 150,000 different reverb and delay plugins on the market today. Maybe not 150,000. Maybe that's the yeah. total number of plugins. But it's like in the thousands, well within the thousands at this point. Um, from all over the world, different developers, some not even yeah, released and yet. And I know Echo Boy ain't going to be able to compete with that bad boy. <laughs> there is nothing quite like twiddling knobs with your fingers. Yeah, it's true. Moving a mouse is great, but there's nothing like actually, you know, programming shit with buttons and, totally. and, and, and potentiometers and faders. And, Rather than just like clicking next preset, next preset, next preset. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I won't deny the presets aren't, are, 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 aren't a good thing. Like they, they're, they're totally tool. a good thing. They're a great tool. Yeah. Got to balance, man. You got to, you know, get the best of all worlds. But Balance you know, it out. it's uh, but you're definitely a soul surfer if you're on that outboard. <laughs> I don't have much right now. The majority of the outboard in this thing is um, is preamps, yeah. Um, but I will say, this is this is like this has been a secret weapon for me. These Digitech Quad 4 things, which came with this rack that everything's in, um, they have two. Uh, presets in them. One's called Synth Thickener, and one's called One for the Roads, and Roads is spelled incorrectly. Yeah, <laughs> It's hilarious. It's spelled in this thing, R-H-O-A-D-E-S. Right. And every time I, every time I find one of these things, one of these quad fours, like, somewhere, and it's, it's plugged in, I power it up, and I always change the preset name. Right. <laughs> uh, so, so it's always correct. Trademark, trademark stuff. Yeah. Right. But I'm just like, fuck that. It's my it's my gear and you can change the preset name. Right. So, so I do. Roads, right. Exactly. Oh, right. But uh, you know, I, I have these things Sacrilege. <laughs> and I love them, man. Because like th- these are the only two presets I, I use on these two pieces of gear. Um yeah. but there's something about like and they're digital, you know, they're not analog chorus it's all digital shit it's 90s digital shit yeah. so it's not it's not like you know there, there are plugins probably vastly better than this these days but at the same time there's something 
There's just something about a vibe. Have, have you messed with the Zulu? I have not, and I've wanted to. Yeah, so Don Lowe, uh, my producer and one of my mentors, um, we just dropped our album Five Star together. He uh, he got the Zulu, and it's sick, bro. It's so it's like the only thing I would like refer like kind of reminds me of a Fatso back in the days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's just like whoa, you know, or it's like putting a CLA vocal plug in on a vocal, and it's like whoa. Remind me, who makes that thing? Um, you know what? I'm not sure exactly. It's a small company. It's like not really a really big famous thing. Um, Zulu Outboard Gear. Let me see. Oh, Handsome Audio. Right. Yep. And it's about a thousand bucks, I think. And it's just this outboard thing. And basically you just run your drums through that or you gives a nice analog sound man it's like really opens things up and gives it that warmth and that depth of of a nice well, it's analog a, it's a, sound it's a, it's a tape simulator right exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep you know it's i gotta tell you it's funny because um i neve, neve made one of these and I, I remember looking at these and then i, I thought to myself damn at that price I could get myself a TAC uh, quarter-inch machine. Um, but there, there's a lot of merit to these because, one, you don't have to buy the tape. You don't have to keep them up. Yeah. And, two, they're a way hell of a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and far less of an obligation, too. But right. I, 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 yes, I do re- love... Real time, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do just love that fucking, you know, people are making tape sims now. They're like, no, we want that sim. After, we want after. that outboard. We want to pay a thousand dollars for an outboard gear instead of twenty nine dollars for a wave, a wave plug in, you know, or one hundred and fifty for a UAD. Well, you know, I can't tell if it's a vibe or it genuinely sounds better. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's one or the other. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed huge difference because I've sent him drum tracks, you know, and then he sent them back with the Zulu on there, and it's like, whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I know, uh, I know, I lost my train of thought when I was talking to you earlier about Tony Shepard. But Tony Shepard, who's worked with um, uh, countless numbers of artists and mm-hmm. has been on this show, amazing. Um, he uh, he has his name on a piece of outboard gear from what company? A Designs. Okay. And he's got a summing mixer called the Mix Factory. And he puts all of his mixes through a summing mixer and sends stems out to the summing mixer. That's It was twofold. One, it does sound better to him. And two, and this is the most devious and beautiful part, it's so that somebody has to buy a piece of gear of his so that they can get the sound to be like his. Yeah, of course. Of course. Like, like a record label asking for the fucking Pro Tools session. Sure, you can have the Pro Tools session, but it ain't going to sound like what it sounded like when I sent it to you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, I, 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 I can think of many, many stories like that where it's like, 
no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a certain thing a certain way so I don't get screwed. Right, totally. And usually it sounds better because of it too. Yeah, man. I got just a just a couple more, and they're pertaining to Los Gemelos. Beautiful. Um, because obviously we both worked on this. Yeah, I'm, of course. I'm, I'm hopeful for Los Gemelos too. Like we all get to be in studio. That would be fun. That would be amazing. Um, but uh, how how did that come about? I feel like I remember Los telling me that was that was really spearheaded by 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 you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Was not a that was not a Los idea. No, no. Yeah, I'm always um. I'm a I'm a workaholic, man. I'm, you know, I always have huge aspirations, and, and I want to do so much, and I'm always reaching out to talent to that I recognize, you know. And you know, people always say, "Let's do a song," you know, but I'm more of like, "Let's do an EP." Like a song's not enough for me. Let's do an album. You know what I mean? Like, I really see greatness in you, and I want to work with you, and. You know, let's let, if we're going to work, let's really let's go all in, you know. Right. And so it was actually the pandemic just hit. It just started. And um, I was just making a bunch of beats. And man, Los posted this video, bro, on Facebook. And I heard the way he was rapping so rapid. But every mm -hmm. word was perfectly clear. And the energy was off the charts and the message he was saying was amazing and i was like damn bro like i was really impressed and you know i'm an mc you know what i mean right so it takes a lot to impress me on the microphone and you know i've known those for over 20 years we we used to rock shows together with noble house and felonious you know dozens of times you mm -hmm. know and in dozens of different venues and across a you know five years of time, you know? So we were always peers and it's a fellow Latino brother, you know, we were always, whenever we see each other, yo, what's up, what's going on, how you doing, you know? It's always, always love, man. Just in general with all the felonious cats, like it was just always big love. For, right. Uh, you know, for me and, and I had, it was mutual feeling. And um, yeah, so I was just like, man, what's up, bro? Like. I'm feeling, I'm feeling what you did. I reached out on the DM. I'm like, bro, that <laughs> video is out of here. Like, check this out. I got this beat. Like, you know, it's like 120. It's like right around double time, you know. And it was, it was full for you. I just made it like that morning, you know. It was like just what happened to be fresh coming <laughs> coming across my MP that morning, and I sent it to him. I, I had a feeling it was going to be full for you because that right? intro, that intro, like initially when you were talking about like fast rap, I thought he had, he had posted a video of himself rapping, um, uh, his verse from Wish a Motherfucker Would before, before the, the record dropped. It might've been, it might've been. No, the verse wasn't full for you. He wrote full for you to my beat. Well, no, 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 no. I understand that. But yeah, it, oh, gotcha. initially when you were talking about fast rap, I was thinking, Okay, either it's gonna be panic attack, or it's gonna be fool for you. And oh yeah, yeah, like, double yeah. Time. Exactly. Like, oh, that because because like that that beat has the has the halftime intro, and then it goes into the fast part, and it's like 
goes from six eight into four four, and it yeah, it it's chef's kiss. <laughs> yes, my brother, my brother. Yes, yeah. So I was like, man, let's uh, let's build, bro. So I sent him that, and like, man, let's. And you know, I sent him another one before he even answered back, <laughs> and then I sent another one before he even answered back. And I'm like, okay, so we got three. We only need two more, and we got an EP. What's up? Right. Yeah. So you know, I and as I was making beats during the pandemic, like which I was making just tons because I was just locked in at home, and um, I said, you know, we. We picked five really good ones. And then Los, you know, he took his time and mastered the rhymes. And, you know, maybe like a year passed, I want to say. Almost a year, six months to a year. And eventually he hit me up. It's like, yo, I got everything written and ready, ready to go. I'm about to go in and record. And I'm like, all right, man, well, let's go. And that's when he, and that's when he called me. <laughs> that's yeah. when he hit you up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so, um, yeah, recorded, got everything, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely feeling like this whole. And then the, the vibe, you know, I was like, Los, man, what are we gonna call this group, group name? And he was like, man, you know, you, you're the twin. You're always calling everybody twin, you know. Yep. So let's let's do Los and Bella. I'm like, oh my god, bro. And then I was like, immediately, I was hit with visuals, like, okay, the skull and the rose. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was seeing Dia de los Muertos images in my head when I was hearing about Los Gemelos and, you know, thinking about like just some crazy, even some crazy gangster shit, like American me or some blood in blood out, you know, like, <laughs> right. Like, it, I, and, or picturing breaking bad, um, you know, the visuals from breaking bad, like the saturation of the film, like that's what Los Gemelos felt like to me. You know what I mean? Like Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino by Robert Rodriguez, you know? Right. I mean, just getting back to 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 the aforementioned song Panic Attack. I mean, like yeah. not that it's not really gangster rap. It it's, you know, it's it's on its whole other level, but it really is it's hard like, as fuck. <laughs> it's hard as all hell. And and you did that whole intro like as soon as we hit this corner, twin, you know right? what to do. Like yeah. you're setting it up for 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 greatness. And I it's yeah. just like yeah. And he just comes on like big pun or something, like Wait. pun puns like awakening his grave here, rest in peace to the legend. He's here at here at Lowe's with a rap with the man right. cannibal, cannibal, cannibal. He's like, Wait, Whoa. did he did he tell you how he did that? Um, I believe so. I can't remember exactly what fill me in. All right. He did he did the fast part, two takes, one breath. Wow. Two takes, one breath. That's how he did that. That's right. Yeah, I think he did <laughs> mention that. I mean, that's the only you have to have that in one breath. There's no room to breathe in those bars. But you know, what I'm well, saying? right. But no punch-ins, nothing. Amazing. He was like, "I like that. Let's do another one for a safety take." The safety take was better. Yeah. He's like, "All right," and that was it. And we're like, sh- and, "And and like we knew we were gonna do the higher double already." Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, as far as the lead. Two takes, one breath, love it. no love punch-ins. It. That was love it. it. That's it. Took him that's five minutes. Like it had to be that too. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. 
That would have took me quite, I mean, that was either going to take me <laughs> one take or it was going to be like a good 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. He, he, what, my my jaw was like, my my jaw was in the sand, like fuck, fuck, fuck to the floor. Like it was, it was below yeah. the floor at that point. Yeah, I'm like, he impressed Shit, me quite, quite a few times, man, during the creation process. I was definitely blown away. And like a, a little bit of the technical side of Los Amelos too, it's like once you guys started sending me the files and I was just putting just a little rough mix on it just to, you know, feel the record and hear exactly where we needed to go with some extra post-production and stuff. Right. And I realized that his vocals, like he, you know, he had like almost did the Tupac thing where you back up all the leads all the way through. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And no, I he's always he's always done that. Yeah, that's, and, that's but, like you know, that's his signature. I, I yeah, but I muted muted the backup and and then I chopped I just started chopping up certain phrases. Mm-hmm. And I've you know, and then he I ended up winning them over at the end of the day. He's like, okay, man, I'm I'm loving the way it sounds. So just no arguing over here, you know. Right. And I, yeah, just like made the, the lead vocal, like, cause you know, you need that lead vocal that's just a strong warrior standing out by itself. And, you know, when you add that extra one, sometimes it takes away, sometimes it'll make it thicker, but sometimes you don't necessarily want thicker. You just want clarity, you know? Right. So I love, I love the fact that he trusted me to do that. And I think the end result was really dope. So now let me ask you because. We only, I didn't know it was going to be double length when he did that long part. Yeah, um, I, I was, doubled it. I, yeah, I pasted that, it. That was, that was your pitch. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, because I, I, I knew like Verso was mixing it. I was like, did she have any input on that? Was that, was that a choice of Los's? Was that, was that Jen's? Okay, cool. Yeah, I did all the song structure and everything before we sent it to Verse. Like after you sent it to me. And I went in and did a bunch of stuff and 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 sent it over like to verse, like all just ready to just just to knob it, you know, get it the right. sound, get the sound right, handled all the production value and everything. And then Pablo over at Audio Chemistry. Yeah. Doing yeah. doing the magic, obviously. Board stiff exists. Shout out to Board Stiff. Yes, sir. Yes. yes sir. Now What's uh what's Los Gemelos without giving too much away? Because obviously we don't want to give a whole lot away. What's what's the the follow up gonna be? I, we've talked about it being a full length. Yeah. Is it? So yeah, Los Gemelos, uh, the the skull and the rose. It's a full length album, and I'm pitching in on the vocals on this one. Right. Mm-hmm. I got inspired by Los. I'm like, hold on, man, you're having all the fun, <laughs> man. Come on, bro. Like I need, I got bars to spit, so. I literally just been laying down a bunch of ideas, you know, leaving blank verses for him, leaving the first verse open, leaving the second verse open, leaving the hook mm-hmm. open, leaving, you know. So we're just building like that. And I'm really, really happy with what we have so far. He hit me uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's like, yo, bro, like this Los Amelos 2 is out of here. I'm sure it is. And how how similar beat wise is it gonna be? It's dude, we we have a sound now, bro. We like developed this sound, and it's all those things I was telling you earlier. It's like the, you know, the Breaking Bad and the, the, all that. Like yeah, Dia de los Muertos, and it's just like I brought all those like.
like sentiments that this project brought me in, like trans, like now you hear the beats and it's, you know, you're going to hear like a bunch of guitar loops and some Spanish, you know, Latin influence, um, guitar, de loops. desert Shit. music, desert music, you know, I want to call it desert music. Um, right. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's like, I want to say killer army meets, um, Robert Rodriguez, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like now that is a pairing. Exactly, would not have expected that. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, that's the like a, a weird way to describe it, but that's the, the the energy. Like I know exactly what it is, and that's the problem. Like some people, they, you know, they're making music and they're just making music. They don't know what the the, the real vision of the project, and you know, and I feel very confident, like behind behind Los Gemelos, like, I know who we are. We're just, we need hard ass beats, spitting hard ass rhymes, hands down. That's all it is, you know? Well, and, and it's a I vibe. Mean, yeah, desert vibe, like the cactuses and, and the tumbleweeds and the, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's well, like sp spaghetti Western hip hop, bro. <laughs> Yep, you can put that in our bio. <laughs> Spaghetti Western hip hop. You feel me? <laughs> well, we from Cali. We we understand how to how to get Wild West on everybody. Exactly. Guitar loops. That that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, so you, you already you already kind of started doing that kind of vibe on Fool for You. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see where it was go, where it's gonna go. Um. I, I'm I'm I may have to jam along to some of that shit. One hundred percent, man. Pick up the bass, pick up the bass, and contribute a little bit. That'd be an honor. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I got a joint or two that probably could use a little, little musician's touch. You know. Well, you know me, the multi instrumentalist over here. With exactly. The, with, the, with the Rogers kit and the vintage amps and the guitars and the basses and the keys and all that shit. And yeah. plus, part of the team already, so it's like a no brainer. Yeah, let's make you know, it happen. You yeah. know, if we can if we can if we can keep if we can keep this up. I mean, shit, man. Of all the times that you could have done the Los Gemelos project, this is kind of the perfect time cuz Los has never been this um gung-ho about prolific. his career. Yeah. He's never been this prolific. I mean, if you remember like 10 years ago he did that song Double Beat Down, then there was nothing yeah years yeah i mean he did little things with like the theater companies and shit right really right. not much out outside of that it was always a project with somebody else now right. look at him yeah <laughs> he's got a project with you he's got a project with me he's got the felonious record so many yeah he's not he's going big right now i love it hopefully has something to do with the inspiration that's what i always want to do as a producer is to just inspire my people to work and they don't got to be working with me or nothing just go fly fly birdie fly you know get, get to work exactly
I have always had a lot of fun doing these interviews and sharing conversations with some of the foremost professionals of the recording and production industry. However, it is certainly a lot of fun, maybe even more fun, when the people you get to talk to and share stories and conversations with are members of your extended family. This conversation has been no exception, and if we think about Los Gemelos and the forthcoming Los Gemelos 2 release coming soon, it is very much between Los, Jen, and I a family affair, having Los rapping, Jen rapping and producing, and me engineering, and maybe, just maybe, if we're all lucky, me playing some instruments on it as well. Jen, thank you for coming on the show and spending so much of your gracious time giving us insights on how the music industry works from the production and songwriter side. And thank you for sharing how your workflow looks like as well as how modern and vintage production work in your head simultaneously. For all of you looking for Genesee, check out his record released in 2020, Throwback Classic. Check for new releases and obviously peep the Los Melos releases as well as Five Star, which is Jen and his homie and dear friend and mentor, Don Lo Legendary. You will not be disappointed. Welcome to Gear Talk. I want to talk today about electromechanical keyboards for studio and stage. Now, I'm going to primarily base my conversations and opinions on the Rhodes piano as I've been primarily a Rhodes player for most of my piano playing career and most of my production life. Now, as I have aged and progressed and perhaps matured in my both playing and production style, I've found myself drawn far closer to Hammond and organ in general than Rhodes piano and piano instruments. Um, but the Rhodes is very much a big part of how I produce and how I play. And quite frankly, I think I'd be pretty lost without the voice of the Rhodes in really anything I do. Now, for those who are uninitiated and perhaps have not watched my workflow or are new to the show and don't really know how I work, um, I have in my studio a 1976 Stage 73 Mark I Rhodes piano as well as a 1974 Rhodes piano bass, which I think I'm going to end up selling in favor of purchasing an 88-key Rhodes which will aid in my workflow tremendously. Now, something to note about 73-key Rhodes pianos is that they do go down to a low E, which if you are somebody who plays music that only requires things like a four-string bass, that's going to be perfect for you. And if you don't play left-hand bass at all or aren't worried about Rhodes bass, then maybe even a stage 54 would be a good idea for you. Twofold. On stage, it will save you weight in the car and weight to transport. 
on stage itself, you'll save physical space because it's shorter than a 73 or an 88. And in studio, it will take up less space either on a wall or freestanding in a room, which will allow you more space for other gear. Now, I think for a lot of people, a 73 is going to be really good. For me, the 88 is a consideration twofold. One, I do have an 88 key MIDI controller, but it's really not the best, and I'm soon to be rid of it, and I would still like a keyboard that I could have a full piano-length 88 keys on. Two, the Rhodes is my main, really, keyboard instrument outside of Hammond organ, and I want something that I can play left-hand bass on and not really have to worry about running out of those low notes now that I'm producing hip-hop and things that require lower than E natural of a four-string bass. And for another reason, as an absolute fanboy of the Rhodes Piano Instrument, it really just fits in my idea to have a couple of different instruments because they do sound different. I know even my Rhodes Piano Bass, which is a Mark I instrument like my Rhodes Mark I 73 key, sounds very different than my Rhodes Mark I 73 key. So there are a few considerations just from those perspectives as well as a tonal perspective. Each piano does sound a little different, and everyone will play a little differently as well. So look out for that. As far as Wurlitzers, Clavinets, Pianets, Hammond organs, and other things like that, maybe a Farfisa or other organs of that nature, combo organs, things like that. Um, they are all very different, and they are all very unique in their own ways. I know as a Hammond player and owner that Hammond organs more than combo organs do take up a significant amount of space, but they are probably, of all of the organs, the most versatile besides maybe a Lowry organ, Shout out to the band and Garth Hudson, who is probably the best known for playing Lowry. Um, as far as clavinets, they are very much pigeonholed into a lot of the funk and R&B of the 70s and 80s and really don't see much use outside of it in spite of being an electric version of an otherwise classical instrument being an electric clavichord. And as far as the pianets concerned, they really don't see any love. Quite frankly, I think there are a lot of them that have beautiful sounds, especially something like the Pianet T, which is pretty on par with something like a Rhodes Piano minus a sustain pedal. And the Pianet N, which is somewhat different, but still a very beautiful and unique washy bell-sounding thing. I think... On par with Hammond, Clavinet, and Rhodes are the Wurlitzer pianos as far as general love from the piano and keyboard player community and the amount that they've been used and how versatile they can be. Though, unlike 
a Rhodes piano, which you can find in three different sizes and two different configurations, generally speaking, that being suitcase and stage. Wurlitzers, you really don't have as much versatility with as far as size. Now, there are caveats to that, obviously. There is the Wurlitzer 207, which is a full-size console model with large speakers. There is the 200 and the 200A, which are the portable models, which are very much equivalent to something like a Rhodes stage piano. There are things like the Wurlitzer 700 series and the Butterfly piano, which are full-sized consoles. There are the older tube model Wurlitzers, which are a little heavier and don't always have vibrato, but sound wonderful nonetheless. There are a lot of different variations as well. However, the reason I say there are less variations in a Wurlitzer than there are a Rhodes is because, generally speaking, everybody wants a Wurlitzer 200 or 200A. Now, why is this? Well, of every electromechanical keyboard, they are by far, of the really super versatile and respected ones anyway, the most versatile while still being the lightest that you can plug in to a line input. Let me say that again. They are the most versatile and lightest that you can plug into a line input. That means you do not have to mic a speaker. In every other Wurlitzer instrument, you really either need to modify the amplifier, get a load box to DI, or mic the internal speaker. The other issue with them is most of them prior to the 140, actually none of them prior to the 140-ish era, do not have vibrato. And this is a big deal for a lot of people because a bunch of the reasons and a bunch of the records that everybody wants a Wurlitzer for have vibrato on them. It's a similar thing with why everybody loves Active Rhodes pianos because of the vibrato. Now, if you want a Wurlitzer and you want something to gig, but want something that sounds great in the studio, a 200 or 200A is probably best for you. If you really just want a studio instrument and want something that you could take a DI out of, but also mic, then something bigger with a full-size console and bigger speakers might be cool for you. And if you want to go vintage and be Ray Charles, then something like an old tube Wurlitzer would be really cool too. I know a lot of fans of the Wurlitzer line like having multiple Whirlies because like Rhodes pianos, they do all sound different. Certainly people like having a console and a portable or a tube and a solid state or non-vibrato and vibrato models really like the roads the sky is the limit but as far as the desirable slash collectible models really there are only one or two so if you want to have a stage or studio instrument that is an electromechanical keyboard a vintage one those are the general talking points and those are my general tips for them 
If you have any that you want to share, drop me a line, r2r.bluegirl at gmail.com. I would love to hear from fellow Rhodes users as well as Whirly users, Hammond users, Clav, and Pianet users. I really want to hear from guys who are producing music with these beautiful old instruments. Drop me a line. Welcome to Music from Blue Girl. Today I want to share with you another snippet from the Nappy G MC Sola T Will Maggot project that I have been working on for the last couple of weeks. This song is called Me Time. It is going to be the double A side with the song The World that I showed in the episode before last. This one is a very Tommy Sola T Shepherd centric one this was kind of his baby we're still in the middle of kind of piecing it together and making it a full-fledged song and arrangement but this is the basic idea this is the demoed version and i hope you enjoy Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed talking to all you. Special major big thank you to my big brother, Mr. Genesee Lewis, for showing up on the show. It was so fun having you on, and I am so grateful that you were uh, gracious enough to share your time and your insights and uh, give us all a little sneak peek with Los Gemelos 2. For all you listening, tune in next time. We're going to have Adam Eggert. He's the creator of the Adam Amp. This is going to be a fantastic episode for all the gearheads, gear nerds, and gear porn lovers out there alike. We are going to get into everything nitty-gritty about amplifier design and building from parts to chassis design to schematic modification and where your starting point should be. As always, there will be more gear to geek out on and more music to share with all of you. But for now, this is Daniel the D3 Cohen signing off from Blue Girl Productions Worldwide Headquarters and Studios right here in San Francisco, California. We're ready to record.